Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I am joined by my great friend and host of the Circle City Cinema, Zach Griffith. This is going to be a two-part episode. You are going to be hearing this part of the episode on July 19th. Um, This part won't be very long. You will be hearing part two of this episode on an unknown date. This other part (laughs) will be quite longer. That's okay. It will be a fun time. Just know in the future you will be hearing NBA Mount Rushmore's. Be looking very forward to that. Zach and I will be having a blast with that. But Zach, in the tradition of throwing a... I haven't done a curveball in a while. In the tradition, throwing a curveball. When you expect a fastball, what was the joke you liked the most in Thor Love and Thunder and spoilers for Thor Love and Thunder. So I know you didn't care for Thor Love and Thunder, but there had to be something you liked. <laughs> well, you're right. <laughs> I wasn't the biggest fan of it. Let me get let me just say it was fine. It was fine, right. but like the standards set by Ragnarok, if you're comparing Love and Thunder to Ragnarok, it's not even close. The best joke. Hmm. Best joke. Man. I don't know. I didn't like any of the jokes. I didn't like that, any of the jokes, Alex. That you know what? Completely, <laughs> I I liked Jane Foster's um shitty what's well, what's the right way to phrase this? Her shitty like punchlines, not punchlines, when she was trying to use her like superhero phrases. Catchphrases, that's the yeah, those were the, all right. Those are funny. I gotta say the Russell Crowe ones, like when he was talking about the orgy, that, <laughs> that was, was funny. Cring- I, that was cringy. That was cringy. I was like, we're doing this now. We're doing well, this now. I mean, you know what? Fair, fair points by you, Zach. But I think I said it in my episode last week that that Russell Crowe character was just a microcosm of his career right now, like just in just in shambles. Yes, Russell I don't know if you Crow. saw it today, Alex. He posted a picture on YouTube of him and his family at the Coliseum in Rome. And I sent, uh, I think I sent it to our group chat or another one and on Twitter. But I was like, this was the last good movie he did. <laughs> How dare you impugn? Was Russell Crowe in Les Mis? He was. He was. He now. I don't think he was good in Les Mis, but Les Mis was a good movie. It's a good movie. The Nice Guys, by all accounts, was a good movie. I have not seen it. I have not seen that either. Um, (laughs) Enough of the movie talk. Go check out Thor Ragnarok if you like the MCU. You'll probably like it. Christian Bale. I'm not going to talk about that on Circle City Cinema because Zach already did talk about it. Best part of the movie. Christian Bale is a good... Christian Bale is a really good part of the movie. Um, Make sure you check that out. And we are here to talk about the NBA folks. Keldon Johnson, Kenrich Williams, Zach, we don't need to spend a whole lot of time talking about those extensions. Keldon Johnson 
four for 80. Um, you know, I like Keldon Johnson. Do you have any big Keldon Johnson thoughts, Zach? Actually, yes. I was astonished when he was on Team USA for the last Olympics. Yes. Um, Alex, I would say in on the short list for the worst player since NBA players were allowed to be on the Olympic team. I would it's, say on the short list for the worst player to ever represent the U.S. It's fair, but only because we've had literally sent all-stars and all-NBA players. Hall of Famers. <laughs> yes. So it's not an indictment on Kelton Johnson. No. <laughs> Kelton Johnson last year, 17-6 and six on 46% shooting from the field, 39% from three. Very solid. But Kelton Johnson to me is like if you gave P.J. Tucker ball skills, which... We saw saw what PJ Tucker. We saw what PJ Tucker got paid this offseason. He you basically got double of what PJ Tucker got. And also I don't now granted, Kelton Johnson's approximately 20 years younger than <laughs> PJ Tucker. So I don't understand it from that perspective. No. Um but hey, good for the Spurs for locking him in. Um, that contract is going to look a lot better when, cause I think the cap is going to explode around the time he hits restricted or not restricted, unrestricted free agency. Right. So when he's an expiring contract, Zach, he's going to be, that contract is going to look insanely good. Yeah. And he's going to be highly, highly sought after like Andrew Wiggins level. Like he'll actually be sought after unlike Wiggins, but he's going to be a guy that people are going to want in Absolutely. the latter, latter part of this decade. And then Kenrich Williams, um, power hour, all-star, um, all-star in my heart. Um, <laughs> I thought a team should have freed him from Oklahoma city. They haven't. He gets rewarded with a four year. I think it was $24.7 million contract. Um, Zach, do you have any enlightening Kenrich Williams thoughts for us? Well, I'm actually of the belief that there's only four players on the Thunder that actually matter just because they're, I think they have a direction, but it's just a matter of how they get there. Like they have a solid core. So the four players I'm talking about, Dort, who also got an extension, uh, SGA, obviously, Giddy. And Chet Holmgren. I think this is the only four players on OKC that you need to actually pay attention to. But, I mean, Kenrich Williams, I guess. I guess. Yeah. This wasn't like a... This isn't a big deal in today's NBA at all. It's going to be very, very easily tradable. I'm surprised he wasn't moved before this. Um, Easily tradable. If it's the agenda for OKC. Oh, for sure. And yeah, like you said, their future is in young guys, Kenny William, Kenny Hustle, as he's affectionately known. Yeah. Um, Kenny Hustle. He's turning 28 in December. Not on their I actually have a, a question for you regarding the Thunder. Yes. So their coach. You want to say, his, uh, you want to pronounce his last name, Zach? Mark Dagnalt. Good job. Is that it? I don't think that's exactly right, but it's close <laughs> enough that I'll give it to you. Like, do you think he's just a tanking coach or do you no, think Preston actually thinks he's going to be 
a dude. I think he's a dude. Um, here's why. That defense, Zach, had no rights to be any kind of good. And they were a top 15 level defense for the majority of the season. Yeah. Which is why I like Paolo wasn't ever going to go there for a majority of reasons. Main reason being that he is a hardcore Seattle Supersonics fan. Um, but if I, one. yes, that, well, <laughs> that's reason number two. Reason number one being that he was the number one pick. So he wasn't going to Oklahoma City regardless. No. But in all seriousness, like I thought they were a Paolo Bancaro away from being a really good team. Yeah. I still. I still think they could compete for the play in next year, but I think that's just because the jazz and the Spurs are simply going to be worse than they are. Um, I think Dagnall's going to be like, I think Chet can, I think they could be a top 10 defense next year. And I don't think anyone would blink an eye based on how they played this year. The thunder. I mean, if you look at basically since Kevin Durant left, I mean, I think they did the best they could, quite honestly, because they he made he I mean Presty Presty made the George trade, which I think anyone would have done. I think anyone would have done. Uh, he makes the George trade. Uh, he makes the Ibaka trade. Ibaka for Oladipo, which actually in hindsight turned out to be a bad trade, but you end up getting George out of it, I guess. So I guess it, I guess it ended up being well. My point is, I think he did the best they could considering you basically let Durant walk for nothing. You build around Westbrook for one year. Then you build around Westbrook and George. Um, I mean, I guess he did the best they could. So I, I think it was inevitably going to come to this that it'd be a full rebuild and maybe not the tankathon that people thought. Or that it has become, but my point is, it's not. It's like you lost Kevin Durant for nothing. So I feel like this was bound to happen. I feel like this years of years in a row of sucking was bound to happen. Yes, and they. I think that's a good way of putting it. They delayed the inevitable, and now the inevitable has come. And honestly, Zach, it's crazy because I feel like. Okay, here's you don't have to answer this like with a whole like long diatribe. How long do you feel like they've been taking just the thunder? How long do you feel like the thunder have been taking for? Um, I would say the offseason they traded Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul. I think they were actually still trying to win at that point. And then, so I guess to answer your question, 2020. 2021 season, I would consider. I would say from the moment they lost to the Rockets in the first round in the Chris Paul season, the moment after they lost that series, they've been tanking ever since. Yes. And I think it feels longer in our minds. Because I feel like they were still trying to win when they traded Chris Paul for... Right. Or when they traded Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul. Right. And so I feel like it feels longer in our minds that they've been tanking than it actually like the passage of time has been. Yeah. Especially with how like compacted these last couple of years have been. The only team in the league that's been other than Sacramento, of course, Sacramento has been tanking since we were in elementary school. 
Uh, and that's not an exaggeration. I am 25, uh, by the way. Yes. <laughs> I am turning 25 in December. The last uh, time the Kings made the playoffs, like I said, I'm 25. The last time the Kings made the playoffs, I was nine. I yes. was nine. A level, a level of futility rarely seen in the NBA where 16 teams make the playoffs every year. Um, Over half in, the league. In all seriousness, in all seriousness, like the Thunder haven't been taking that long. They've been a good, good team for the majority. I, I, I want to talk about that when we do the Rushmores, which you won't, which the audience won't hear for another month after this, probably. But that's an interesting discussion to have. And we'll have you and I will have it in a little bit. Yes. But here's what I would say. They haven't been taking that long. Basically only two calendar years, but it feels like longer because of all the trades they've made because of all the, the big name players that have either actually played for them or haven't played for them and have just been like salary dumps. Like, for example, Al Horford only played a, a couple games for them. Um, who else? Uh, Kemba Walker, guys like that. Big name guys who like, yes, they're technically on the team, but not really. Like they're just salary dumps. So it feels like they've been tanking longer than they actually have. Because you it know, was only, I mean, if you go back to the bubble playoffs, which wasn't that long ago, even though it feels like seven years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Like they were pretty good. Like they took a pretty good Rockets team to seven games in the first round. It was not that long ago. And Lou Dort and Shea Yelch Alexander are still there. I think Kendrick yes. Williams was on that team, but literally no one else right. was on that team. I literally was not planning on talking Thunder this long, Zach. So thanks no. for going on this journey <laughs> with me. Um, DeAndre Ayton, folks. Zach, you did talk about this on the latest edition of Circle City Cinema. The <laughs> basketball discussion, no one was um, thinking that you nobody, were going to have. That nobody asked for. <laughs> that literally nobody asked for. But you don't go to cinema looking for NBA discussion. Let's let me give some background. I mean, you if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know, but I should give it anyway. So they're doing this whole song and dance. You know, Robert Sarver walks up to DeAndre Ayton's face and tells him, "You're not. I don't think you're a max player." Um, the whole game seven fiasco where Aiden only plays 17 minutes. Um, Monty Williams has the weird press availability, says it's in, an internal matter when asked about it in the press conference. They like they just don't do anything in restricted free agency, say go find a contract. Pacers are wanting to do a sign in trade, but the Suns are just like, no, we don't want to do a sign in trade. Pacers offer him a sign into an offer sheet and like was it even five minutes <laughs> before the Suns matched it so i don't think it was it's in my life i don't think it was five minutes where he was a member of the indiana pacers and i I'll, I'll go first on this one zach because it was just i feel bad for the pacers fans i don't feel bad for herb simon i'm just gonna say that um because I feel bad for the Pacers fans though, because at least the ownership did something that they were supposed to, right? At least they went after a guy, right? They went after a guy like Aiden, who's the big fish. And you didn't the get the biggest him. fish left. 
He was the biggest fish left. And honestly, you know, we were talking about it in our group chat. Ryan Gregory was like, I think this puts the Pacers in like ninth place territory. And I, I didn't think it did. I think the Pacers were still bad enough with Halliburton and Aiton because it's not like there was much you, like you have Matherin, but you still have a lot of. I'm trying to find the polite way to say this. There's still a lot of <laughs> flotsam around the two of them. If Aiton was the sign in Indiana, right? I I just Zach. I feel like the Pacers. It's and this isn't their fault for once. I just feel like they missed out on a huge opportunity, and they got they should be really mad at Robert Sarver. I mean, I know I was. I mean, you saw the group chat. I was livid with Robert Sarver because you've gone a whole season. I mean, I said this all in cinema, but I'll say it again. If you want to, if you want to, Robert Sarver, who historically speaking is one of the cheapest owners in NBA history. This is a guy who let Joe Johnson walk from a surefire, a surefire finals team back in 2005. I think it was. You go a whole season basically telling Aiden to his face, hey, you're not a max guy. We're not paying you max money this summer. We dare you to go find a team that will pay you max money. Well, of course, the Suns didn't... The Suns, I think, ignorantly thought nobody's going to pay him max money. Nobody's going to pay him. And it didn't look like anybody was going to. But we were tied to him for the longest time. And I really didn't know what the holdup was. And I think the holdup ended up being the Brogdon trade the physical that Brogdon had to take with the Celtics. So that damn vacation that he took that damn vacation that he took. Thank God he's gone by the way, but uh, I had to say he, we throw the largest offer sheet in NBA history to Deandre, which I guess if there's a bright side to this, it's that because the Pacers, again, historically speaking, just like Sarver, one of the cheapest organizations in NBA history, it's probably the reason it's probably the biggest reason we don't have a title yet. Um, but it was encouraging because $133 million is a hell of a lot of money. I was telling this to Bryce Shaddy. I feel like Herb Simon, Herb Simon's 88 years old. I feel like he's at the point in his life where he's just like, fuck it. I could die at any point. Why don't I go out with a bang? So he throws 133 million at DeAndre Ayton. The Pacers, who have never had a number one pick on their roster in in their NBA history, we have not had a number one pick on our roster. So I, in the half an hour he was a Pacer, I was very excited because I thought, you know what, in a year or two, we're going to be pretty damn good with Halliburton, Ayton, Matherin, Duarte. Isaiah Jackson, like that's a pretty good young core that a lot of teams would would kill to have. And Aiden, who was the third best player on a finals team a couple years ago. So I like the move. It was obviously very devastating when the Suns matched the offer. I honestly didn't think they were going to because I just thought Sarver was that cheap. I thought they really didn't believe... He was worth the money, but I like that we forced their hand. I really like that we forced their hand. So it was encouraging from that point. 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't think Sarver would want to pay the luxury tax. I mean, now that Suns are sixteen million to the luxury tax, um, their roster is pretty much set, and right. they can't really do a KD trade now. This takes them out of the running for Kevin Durant. That's another thing we did. That's right, another thing we did. You took them. You took a bitter out of the Kevin Durant sweepstakes when in reality, I don't know why maybe I'm naive here to how the NBA would work. I just don't understand like how you couldn't have been like, Hey, you give us DeAndre Ayton and we'll help facilitate you guys getting Kevin Durant. Like maybe Duarte goes to Brooklyn. Maybe, you know, Miles Turner goes to Brooklyn. I don't know. I'm not like, uh, you know, I'm not a Bobby Marks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to use the name of a guy who's been thrown around on this <laughs> network a lot lately. You know, but, it was actually so funny when we gave Aiden the offer sheet. Bobby Marks was on <laughs> ESPN breaking it down. And he was like, had a straight face the whole time because he was like, I know my brother can't do shit now. I know he's fucked. I know that I know he can't make a trade with Phoenix. <laughs> It is just it was like, hilarious. It was hilarious. It's oh God. I <laughs> so you take the biggest chess piece off the board. So now you take Kevin Durant's biggest destination off the table. It makes the Western Conference a lot more interesting next year, I feel. Because if Katie goes to the Suns, that's but also now like I now, Zach, I'm curious. Because, you know, I'm curious about the Pacers next year, but I think the Pacers need to get, you know, a top four pick next year. They need to get one of the top like this next year's draft. They're saying is like stacked with talent. They're saying it's one more tank job, one more bona fide tank job. And I think we'll be all right. And you know what? Rick Carlisle was willing to tear it down to the studs in Dallas. And I don't think people realize that people I think myself included, we're like, oh, no, there's no way Carlisle would want to come here to rebuild. But I think we all forgot, like, oh, he just sat through a rebuild in Dallas. Right. To get Luca. So maybe they get Wemba and Yama. You never know. But for Phoenix, I'm just curious because, like we said with Monty Williams and with Chris Paul, we saw with Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan, we saw with, you know, Chris Paul and James Harden. <laughs> Yeah. Like a lot of James Harden's relationships fraying are James Harden's fault, but there's been a lot of Chris Paul relationships fraying too. Yes. At a certain point, a fair amount. Like, I, I'm just curious, Zach, because I know the Suns are a popular team on this network. You know, I understand. Very popular. <laughs> I, I took the unpopular stance, but I was rooting for them all year, right? But me too. Chris Paul. And he's old, right? The last five games of that series against Dallas, he looked absolutely atrocious. Terrible. And I don't think got really enough, like even as much blame as he got, I don't think got enough. So I I just think, Zach, there's a lot of dynamics going into next year for DeAndre Ayton that I don't think have even begun to, have even started to been considered yet, if that makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. And honestly, Alex, I think he's going to get traded at the deadline. I wouldn't surprise me. Like I really do. And hopefully it's here because I actually think there's a solid chance it will be here because like none of, I think he actually wanted to come here. I don't think it was like a negotiating tactic. Like I actually think he wanted to come here. Number one, because of the money. I mean, Jesus. Right. And number two, because 
he sees like Halliburton is one of the great young players in the league. I feel like I don't think I'm just saying that because I'm a Pacers fan. I think it's true. And we're gonna not be great next year. We're gonna have another. We're gonna have another good pick. So we're gonna have Halliburton, Matherin, whoever we pick next year, plus him, plus Duarte. So I don't think it was a negotiating tactic. Is my point. That's interesting theory. I don't know if because I don't know how well Miles Turner fits with like unless Duarte is going back to Phoenix. Like Duarte as a third guard in Phoenix really intrigues me. Yeah, but I don't know if I would still do that if I'm the Suns. I I, I just can't say for now. But I really want to see how they proceed in that situation because I think it could get icy, real icy, real quick, and a lot of tension. And tension in the NBA locker room, Zach, we have seen over and over and over again in <laughs> NBA history. It's just what? never a good, what? never a good thing. And uh, that actually leads yeah? me to. Uh, leads me to a natural transition. Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz. Um, um, it is appears increasingly likely that the Jazz are going to trade Donovan Mitchell. Where we don't know. So we could have seen it coming. JD and I kind of touched on this on the last Power Hour, and I think Bryce and JD touched on this on Shady Sanity. Um, but I I think it was like just breaking when they recorded Shady Sanity but I think it would be fair for you and I to do it more justice than JD and I had a chance to on the power hour. Zach, I just, I don't feel like there's a, like, <sighs> I think the problem with Mitchell trades right now is that New York is the only logical destination. And even they seem, don't seem like too enthralled <laughs> with right. giving up the moon for Mitchell, which is crazy. I'm sure you've seen some of those reports. Like they don't want to yeah. give up. <laughs> They don't want to give up the draft hall. And I saw the Jazz weren't even asking for RJ Barrett, which I think is my It's the dumbest thing. It is so dumb. If I was Utah, I'm not doing a deal with the Knicks unless RJ Barrett's in the deal. Exactly. I, I get wanting to... I get wanting draft picks because the future and all that stuff. But like, I want a guy who's going to help me. Like, I want... Draft picks only provide so much certainty. Like, I want a guy who I know is good and is going to get better, at least. And R.J. Barrett is one of those guys. So I don't understand why Utah wasn't asking for him. I don't I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, and like Jalen Brunson is... I, I don't understand. Uh, no, no like, nobody does. Jalen Brunson and Diamond Mitchell together. Um if you want to, I don't understand having a trio. Like, how are you just going to make it work where you have Brunson, Mitchell, Barrett, and Randall? Like, too many guys, not enough basketball. Like, that's definitely true right, there. Right. Like, at a certain point, you just got to get rid of one of those guys. And I think Randall is the odd man out there. Although funny enough, Zach, I think Randall would be perfect with a guy like Mitchell. Like if he was willing to, if he was willing to buy in, which is the obvious problem, because if I made an all NBA team, you honestly couldn't tell me shit, but that's, it's so hard because I, I just, I don't see it with Tyler hero. 
No. I I think Tyler Hero is by far, and it's not close. I think Tyler Hero is the most overrated player in the NBA. I don't wow. think it's close. Oh, I think he's You're speaking I think he's, language. I think he's Jamal Crawford at best. And wow. I just I don't like he can't play defense. No. He can do a few cool he can do a few cool dribble moves. Jamal Crawford averaged 20 points a couple of times. Nobody remembers that. So you think Bubble Boy is a fair nickname? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and he wasn't even that great in the bubble. He had a couple of great games. I mean, he won sixth man of the year last year, which is an achievement. But yes, he was not. I mean, in the I know he missed a couple of games in the East Finals, but he was average in those games that he played. And that went seven, right? The East Finals? Yes. Yes. So if he shows up for at least one of those games, they probably win. Do you probably go to the finals? Tyler Hero's career playoff percentages. 41, 32, 89, which, you know, pretty good. Only two attempts from the free throw line in the playoffs, though. So not great. You're shooting five threes a game. You're only getting to the line twice. You're making 40% of your shots in general. Right. Like this playoffs, he made 52% of his twos, which is, you know, that's good, right? I'm not going to yeah. act like it's not, but 22% from three. <laughs> like that is God awful. You have to, if you're going to be as good as people say Tyler hero is, you have to be someone who can hit from all three levels. And he's just not. And like, no wonder he's being shopped because he wants this max money and I'm not giving it to him. And I'm not giving it. To I'm him not either. giving it to him. You think Pat Riley's giving it to him? Absolutely. Oh no. <laughs> well, Hell he might. No. He might because of the Kentucky loyalty, Zach. There is. <sighs> that is a thing. That actually is a thing. All jokes aside. <laughs> yes, I am. I was not joking. <laughs> like I was being Adebayo. very serious. We got a bio actually earned his contract, but I feel like the Kentucky thing. Yes, actually was a factor. Oh, if you, I bet you, if you looked at Pat Riley's draft record, it is a lot of. A lot of Kentucky. Right. And not saying like they've done a lot of great undrafted work, right? Like Max Struess, Duncan Robinson, you know, just looking at their undrafted record. But you look at the drafts, you know, is a lot of Kentucky. But Zach, I I just don't like Tyler Hero. I am going to be honest for once. The Raptors package doesn't move me if I'm the Jazz. No. Uh, As much as it pains me to say. I know it pains you. The Grizzlies package doesn't really like move me. And if I'm the Grizzlies, you know, if I'm the Grizzlies. I'm not changing a thing. Exactly. I'm just trying. I'm trying next year to find a star if it doesn't work this year. Right. Yeah. So I just, as much as it sucks, I would just probably, if I'm the jazz, I would probably just try to run it back. You know, I would absolutely run it back. I, I was actually shocked that they were in the mix for this move. Like, you're probably, I mean, I don't want to say they beat the Warriors last year, but I would say they pushed the Warriors to like six or seven if their guys are healthy in the last playoffs. Like, I'm not changing much if I'm the Grizzlies. I'm feeling good about where I'm at. Well, and to go back to the Jazz, the Jazz probably won't be much better than a lottery team even if they keep Mitchell. 
So he, I think Gobert, like he gets a lot of crap for the playoff stuff and deservedly so. Yes. As a regular season guy, in terms of good. regular in terms of regular season centers, he's a Hall of Famer alone. Like for what he was able to do for the Jazz in the like for how he raised their ceiling in the regular season and got them to the playoffs every year, like of his prime, just that alone. And I don't know what it's going to be like if he stays in Utah and they don't make the playoffs. Like I would have to imagine Donovan's going to get some backlash. He's going to be like, huh? Wonder why I'm getting so much backlash. Right. Just it's. <sighs> I mean, they. I think they had to make a change with the Mitchell Gobert thing just because they didn't get along. And I think it was a joke. They were trying to tell people no, everything's fine. Like we're not that. I hate it when NBA teams do this. Yes. They're like yeah, everything's fine and nothing's wrong. We're definitely not trading this guy. They get their friends. Like just shut up. Like we're not as dumb as you think. We're not as dumb as you think. So I'm glad they finally caved and made a move. Um, I think it's just a matter of where Mitchell goes. I mean, you know how I feel about the Knicks and these rumors. Like, I believe when I see it. I believe when I see it that the Knicks actually land him. But I feel like Miami would make sense. But like you said about Hero, if he's the main piece I'm getting in the package, no thanks. Yeah. Yeah. No thanks. For like, I'll get better with the Knicks. I'd rather have Barrett than Hero. I'd rather have Obi Toppin. Then hero, I'd oh rather my. have. I'd rather have Emmanuel quickly than hero. I'd, <laughs> I'd rather have Miles McBride than hero. Quentin Grimes. I oh, do. You just want me to go around the league naming young Thank players? God. I'd rather oh have Dayron Sharp. I'd rather have um, Precious Achua. I'd rather, like. I could just go around the league naming young players. <laughs> I am not high. Like, honestly, though, I don't blame you and you're not alone. Like, but there are some people, I, you know, I listen to the Lebitard show a lot and Lebitard has a really good relationship with Pat Riley. And there are people in that heat front office who think that book or that who think that Tyler Hero can be Devin Booker. And that's no. the dumbest shit I've ever heard. No, like the best player on a finals team. <laughs> no, that's what you're saying. That's what you're he, saying. Best player on a Devin finals Booker. Team. There's a difference, right? Devin Booker is a basketball player who's good at scoring. Tyler Hero is a scorer who doesn't play much, who doesn't do much else on a basketball court. No, he does nothing else. And that's the difference. And I'm sorry, you just, you can't win with a guy like, like, yeah, he's a great six man. There's a reason he won six man of the year. There, I, I don't understand why teams are so high on Tyler, why some teams are so high on Tyler Hero but Colin Sexton can't get a contract. I just, I don't get it. The Colin Sexton thing, like I'm actually hoping the Pacers make an offer to Colin Sexton. If the Pacers sign Colin Sexton, they become my favorite team immediately. And I Because that is the funnest backcourt we've ever had, and it's not even close. Don't sleep on uh, Corey Joseph, Darren Collison. (laughs) (laughs) Mark Jackson, Reggie Miller. George Hill and uh, 
who is starting in t- who's George Hill and Rodney George Stuckey? Hill, Lance Stevenson. No, 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 no. George Hill and uh, who was starting Tom, in 1415 when uh, Donald Sloan. Donald Sloan. Opening night backcourt in 1415 was Donald Sloan and CJ Miles. That was the opening oh. night backcourt. CJ yeah. Miles. I like CJ Miles a lot. CJ Miles. I remember, I'll always remember the game again. I think it was against Washington that CJ Miles and Paul George both hit like six threes each. Yeah, here it is. November 24th, 2015, 32 points, 10 of 16 shooting, and a win over the Wizards. And Paul George, after the game, said they were the East Coast. East Coast Splash Brothers, and it made me cringe. And it turned out, guess what, Alex? They were not the East Coast Splash Brothers. Not even I always give credit. Remember when Larry Bird was like, "We need to play small. We need to play small." And Paul George is like, "I don't want to play the four. And CJ Miles is like, "Fine, I'll do it myself." <laughs> and he did it. He was good when he played the four. But uh, I mean, just, good offensively. Larry Bird, every. Wow. Fun fun fact, CJ Miles is on the G League Ignite. I didn't fun know fact. that. Good for him. Fun fact. But every year, my favorite Larry Bird thing was every year he'd be like, We need to we need to go small. We want to play faster. We want to score five to six more points a game. And then he would sign like Monte Ellis or some guy who was past his prime but had a was once pretty good and what? was small. Which is funny because those Celtics teams he played on were giant. Like literally, right? All of them were huge, right? Like Larry Bird himself averaged ten rebounds a game for his career, <laughs> and he was playing next to uh, Mikhail and Parrish. So, thank um, God Monte Ellis is off our books. Thank God. Oh, that finally just happened. I yeah. think Lou Al Deng and I think Lou Al Deng just left the Lakers books too. <laughs> Luol Deng, who I don't want to spoil anything, but is going to come up. Is he really? He's gonna. He's going to come up in our wow. in our second part of this. Okay. Wow. I don't want I to think... spoil my takes. I don't want to spoil my takes. Well, I think you just spoiled it for me. Um, time for shameless plugs because I think that's all for part one of this. So you're gonna be hearing, like I said, you're gonna be hearing this on the 19th. So make sure you check out Lynn Sanity. Make sure listen to what Shady Sanity last week. It's gonna be their last NBA one for a little while. Um, but JD filled in for Caleb last week. Bryce host was in the host chair, did a great job. Make sure you listen to that. That was a fun one. Um, and they both killed it. Make sure you check out last week, circle city cinema. Some bum hosted it. Um, yeah, some bum some scrub. Um, it was what the black phone and Thor love and thunder and, yep. um, black phone got it, you, you significant or you did a good job of creeping me out. Zach, you made me never want to watch the movie. So the black phone, I mean, it was, it's not for everybody. That's for sure. But if you like creepy stuff, I'd recommend it. It's actually out on streaming right now, which is very soon. It it came out really fast after the theatrical release. So you can watch it on demand, like right now, make sure you check that out. Um, and I'm going to be power hour is going to be a little bit weird. I'm going to be moving soon. So that's why part two of this podcast is being held. So I'm going to try to get some stuff because JD is going to be starting school back soon. 
And we're going to try to get top 100 recorded. We're going to try to get some other stuff recorded. I'm going to try to get some more stuff with Zach recorded. I might try to get some more stuff with Dylan recorded. I need to try to get some other stuff recorded. So be on the lookout for that stuff in September and August as I try to get situated in my new living arrangement. And Zach, I will speak to you very shortly. Oh, yeah. I want to thank everyone so much for listening. 